Hey guys, welcome back to another week and another episode of mantalk.ke. Uh, we're so happy to be back again. Thank you for the love on the last episodes. I'm really glad you're enjoying this season so far. And today uh, is a very interesting one. But before you get into why we're here and the title you've seen, um, we want to talk about where we are, which is Kafisi. We are always here, as you've noticed for the past few seasons. Uh, one of the most incredible workspaces in the city. Uh, there's actually a new one that's coming up as well. So I really want you guys to jump on this. Um, we're going to leave all the details for them below via the link. It's got the rates, it's got the different locations. Um, and I hope you enjoy this podcast half as much. <laughs> so this intro, I can feel Oscar because of the kind of topic we're doing. But I hope you enjoy this podcast half as much as we enjoy making it because we're about to have a ball. So thank you, Kafisi. And there's going to be a quick ad from one of our sponsors later on in the video. Enjoy that too. I'm going to let the man on my left give me hell. Oscar Kome. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening, all of our listeners all over mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Of Mantok Doki, it's your co-host, Oscar D. Kome. And for today, we will be interviewing Eli Mwenda, <clears throat> getting to know what made this man the man he is today. Mm. I am particularly excited to be doing this. Mm-hmm. As you can see, as I look at you through the camera, that um, I've taken an extensive amount of time. <laughs> to uh, prepare for this particular episode. This interview mm. is one of the most intimate ones that I will ever do. Goodness me. Um, Goodness me. So welcome, strap in, <laughs> and let's have fun. Mr. Eli, are you ready for your first question? I don't think I am. Do you know what? I don't think I am. I don't think I am, but you know, all we can do is try. <laughs> all we can do is try. I'll stop leaning into <clears throat> the, I'll stop leaning into leaning, the Literally control. leaning into the topic. I am so like, excited. You're jazz. I know, because you're am. in the relaxed seat. We did this last uh, season. Yes, it did. feels good to mm, be in the relaxed seat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, uh, before we uh, waste any time, uh, uh-huh. you know, this people are busy. You know, y'all are busy. Um, the first question, uh, Mr. Manda. What's happened to your voice? What's you uh, enjoy, please, kindly. I am doing the interview today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the protocol observed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you enjoy particularly asking uh, guests when they come on this show this question. You enjoyed this asking me this question as well. And I know you forgot. <clears throat> so, Eli. Mm-hmm. Yes, brother. <clears throat> My brother, my brother. What do you think is the uh, mm. most positive contribution <clears throat> you make to society as a man? What do you think um, your masculinity and your mm. act of manhood, your acts of manhood, your many acts of manhood? Your, you run a podcast um, called Mantra mm. K.E. With a, with a strapping young man. <laughs> um, uh, please, kindly. Please, kindly. <laughs> tell us, what is your most meaningful contribution ah. Ah. as a man to society today? Thank you. I'm just going to formally request that that voice changes by question two. Uh, <laughs> Okay, okay, here we are. Okay, hot seat. It's very warm. Um, what is my most positive contribution as a man? Mm. My time. Thank you, thank, thank okay. you, Oscar, for uh, such a great mm, question. Mm. Uh, it's ha- I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Mm. Uh, I'd say um, my most positive thing mm. that I contribute to society as a man is um, the, the example um, that I have followed from my father. Mm-hmm. is one that I've embodied and I hope through everything I do digitally and physically, I pass on to someone that's younger than me. Not only my son, but even just young guys that for some reason, I'm a five nothing, they look up to me, right? So um, I really, I really, that's one thing I really enjoy um, in terms of, that's one thing I really enjoy in terms of being a man in society. I think everything that I do has been a very conscious decision to be a positive male, um, whether it's from the stuff I do online in terms of content, uh, showing guys how to dress better, showing guys look after your body, showing guys look after your skin, be a sweet boy. That I think um, I get like 
quantifiable impact, like my, the messages and stuff. I see that. That's a very positive thing. So I'm happy with that. Then the podcast I do, very intentional, trying mm. to help society in a light way, laugh and learn at the same time. That's very positive. Then the business, instant market, helping young people make more money with the product they have, using my skills in digital to create an event where they can make money. Very positive. Um, and I think just me, even just as an individual, to blow my own trumpet, I don't think I contribute. Not to. Not to <laughs> I don't think I contribute negatively mm -hmm. to the people around me in my circle. I think people that are around me genuinely, uh, generally, not genuinely, generally um, elevate through our interactions and through our friendships. So, uh, yeah, I think that's my positive contribution. There's a thing that there's like a trend on the Internet where girls always say like the feminine urge to have you seen those things like the feminine urge to. And I feel like the, everything that um, I do that pertains to masculinity is like a positive urge. So it's a positive urge to be a, a caring man, a positive urge to be like a, um, a respectful man, you know. So those things I think I do in a positive way in terms of my, my masculinity and my definition of it. So, yeah. Well answered, Mr. Eli. Fantastic. Oh, the voice we requested. This is, this is incredible work, uh, Mr. Eli. Uh, you, do you do any public speaking? Um, <laughs> no. Do you, uh, do you have any gigs uh, we can attend? Um, I'll leave my rate card. Ah, please, Hello. please do. Um, we will attach the link uh, for those interested. Per hour, yeah. Ah, please. Um, next question, uh, Mr. Mr. Eli. Brother. Please, please, let me do the interview. It's going to be a long day. <laughs> let me do the interview. Uh, the next interview is, first of all, Eli, there's been a lot of... Um, discussions around your immaculate fashion sense. Oh, thank you, brother. Uh, I just wanted to know, uh -huh. as a, from one Kenyan to another, I must say that mm -hmm. it is true that you do have a positive impact. Thank you. Uh, I just want to know, where do you learn to dress like this? I mean, first mm. of all, let's talk about your shirt. I mean, thank you. Thank incredible. You. Thank uh, the you so shoes, thank incredible. So thank please, thank you. Eli, educate us. Ah, uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Um, <laughs> how did I learn to dress? Okay, um, my, I think I've told this story before. Yeah. Uh, I think my sense of style started when I was literally a boy, like a young boy. Um, my mother is a very fashionable young lady, yeah. still young mother, still young. Um, and from the day that, okay, this kind of pertains to the society I grew up in, right? So when we were young, I've said this on other episodes, we grew up in a very white area. Okay. Being the only black person, we were the standard that everyone looked to mm -hmm. for blackness, a family in suburbia, right? So when it came to going to school, when it came to from nursery, my mom made sure that her kids were crisp, clean, yeah. no dirt, like everything had to be on point because she was very conscious that we are the standard for everything. They might see stuff on the internet, stuff on, not much internet back then, AOL, but um, stuff like on TV showing black families in a certain way. And she was very conscious to make sure her black family is seen in a good way. And it was also just innate in her. She likes dressing well. So from that, I became so particular. Um, there's one instance that we always laugh about in our family. Um, I was going to school and you know you had the Velcro, mm. Velcro straps. I've told this story before. Um, I would never step out the door if the, you know, when you're, you're a mum, you've got like a buggy. My sister's in the buggy, my brother's here. And she's trying to just do my shoes quickly, strap them on. I'd be like, I'm not going. She'd be like, why? I'd be like, because it's not perfectly, like the Velcro wasn't, was like slightly off when it straps. So I was so particular from then. If there was ever dirt on my thing, I'd be like, oh, I need to change my shirt. Like it started there. And then uh, as I sort of got older and I was like a young, like a young boy in my clique, uh, like back in Oxfordshire, I used to be the guy that every Saturday, let's save the money we've got. So we'd get like pocket money. I would save like a little bit of money. And then by the weekend, I've got like a tenner, like 15 quid. And then I can go and um, buy like a new shirt. 
So my wardrobe started being built from just small, small bits of money. I never like a big thing. I'd pick a shirt, pick this. And then gradually I started to realize that when I wear something, my friends want to wear something. Mm. I remember back in the day, I actually started a style in my area where we wore like, you know, the car, just like a plain black cardigan and white t-shirt. Yeah. Like I started that trend and everyone started wearing it. Then when I left uh, Oxfordshire to now Kent, I joined a new school at like 16, right? So there's a lot of social climbing that has to be done. And I dressed very different to like everyone that arrived there. And I found that within like four months, people were buying the same shoes that I was buying. People were, you know, so I've always had a weird uh, eye when it comes to clothes and people in my circle and people just around me tend to gravitate towards that and emulate that. And so now I draw inspiration from other guys that do it better than me. I've sort of defined my own kind of chic uh, dress sense and I portray it online. And hopefully guys dress better and that's another thing to do with masculinity, right? Fantastic, well, yeah. well answered. Oscar, we are 20 minutes in. Well, well answered, <laughs> well answered. Please, let me enjoy this interview. Yeah, as you've uh, seen, like, the question was intentional. It has taken you to your early life. Mm. So that's why we will dwell. <laughs> Dwell. Uh, yeah, that is what, what is the Bible? Yes, like, it what? Is. yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> there he dwelt. So let's 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 have a conversation about blackness. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I knew it. Hey, out of listen, nowhere. Listen, sit down. Undertaker. Sit down straight. I knew yeah. that. Come on, <laughs> sit down straight. <laughs> sit down straight. Do do that. Make you move a bit. Move a bit on the chair. <laughs> sit down straight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, stand uh, up so let's, it. <laughs> so let's so let's talk about yeah. let's talk uh-huh. about blackness, right? And let's talk about how your mom mm-hmm. instilled that sense of excellence in you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you've, we're now seeing it in your fashion sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were in school, when mm-hmm. you were particularly in class, mm-hmm. was there ever a ch- time when you felt your definition of blackness challenged? I, I didn't know I was black. I didn't know what black was okay. until I was early, early teens. Um, yeah, early teens. And that was only because I was informed uh, <laughs> that, that I was black. I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't realize, like, I would see myself different. I said this in the last episode. I'd see myself differently, but I didn't know that it meant anything in society. It was just, we look like this, it's cool, right? Um, but how are you informed? So, so, um, so the first time the word black came up, I had a school is a cruel place, right? So bear in mind, social standing, I was very high. Like, not to sound arrogant, I was always, right? So in school, I didn't think people could say stuff to me. I didn't really... I was like, what? And this is, I'm like 9, 10, right? Um, You're 9, 10 with a high social standing. Oh, for sure, bro. Every what's fortnight, new girlfriend, what's up? <laughs> 9, 10. <laughs> hey, this is a start as you mean to go on. Uh, I'm joking. That's a joke. That's a joke. That's a very bad joke. At 9, 10. Uh, this, Whoa, I, okay. oh, honestly, primary school, St. Mary's, shout out to you guys. Um, so I remember, and I won't say the word because it's explicit, but I remember we were in class and then this guy just said, your mum is a beep beep. I was like, I didn't know what that meant because in my house, we don't swear. We're a Christian family. I've never heard this word before. So I'm like, what does that mean? And he says, it means ugly black woman. Or was it, no, he, no not ugly. It meant, he said, it, meant, it means big black woman. Not ugly, a big black woman. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. I go home. Mom, you're a beep. She's like, huh? I'm like, yeah, you're a beep. She's like, who told you that? One of my best friends. She's like, you never say that word. I'm like, why? And now I'm curious. I'm like, what's wrong? Why? Why? Oh my God. Why? Bro. So it wasn't like even a uh, confrontation. It was like a friend trying to. Uh, a friend, yeah, yeah. Trying to, like, tell yeah. you what he's seeing. Exactly. Innocently. Yeah. Then. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it was always friends close to me. Then, um, this may be why I have a shell. This is like therapy. Um, so then I remember as you get young, as you get older, um, the Premier League is a big thing. Yeah. And a lot of the people in my school, they'll go to London for games. 
and they'll go with their dad. And when they go with their dad, who, because our school had a range of people, working class, upper class, it was mm-hmm, very, mm-hmm. so some of my working class friends, their dad will be part of like these football firms, you know, like we're going Millwall, like, you know. So they'll go to the, they'll take their son to a game for the first time, right? And then the, the son's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then they'll start hearing racist chants. They'll start understanding, you're a black, you know, that's what happens in football. So then they come back to school the next week and I'm the only person that looks like the person they're shouting at, right? So then we'll be playing football and then someone will say something to me and I'm like, what? Like, why does that sound so aggressive? Then I go and ask my brother, what's this mean? He goes, nah, that means that, that, that. So my brother actually started to slowly tell me that this is negative and they're saying this because you're black. So it was stuff like that. I started to slowly realize, okay, there's a difference because I'm black and this means this happens. This means these words are said. The, the, the thing that I'm also mm. starting to realize is that you see your mom instilled a definition of blackness that was around excellence, looking good, yeah. looking proper, yeah, yeah. being a standard. Yeah. And society kept telling you that being black meant less than. Exactly, which was very confusing. Which was confusing. very confusing. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so now you're growing in a community that's like, obviously has these two parallels, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's talk about your education mm. and how kind of growing up in that society, um, mm. a society that kind of you, while your family is pursuing excellence, mm. you have um, a society that wants to put you down. Mm-hmm. How exactly was your experience um, growing up in the education system in London? Um, so my uh, experience growing, just repeat, my experience growing up. Well, yeah, well, like, well, because you see, you're being given two different um, definitions of what blackness is. Mm-hmm. You have one definition that's excellence. Um, mm-hmm heritage mm-hmm. growth mm-hmm. and being the standard in society mm-hmm. and you're being you're also being given another mm-hmm. definition of blackness mm-hmm. by people where it's meant to demean you meant yeah. to put you down you're, mm-hmm. you you have no right to being who you are mm-hmm. so how did that experience translate in the education system and your experience in that education system mm. i i grew a tolerance to inappropriate comments that I didn't know had so much gravity behind it. Mm. So, um, like I said, it's always the people close to you because in terms of socially, I'm good. Parties, I'm first one there. What's up? Who's playing the music? Always, always ahead of the curve. But then as these girl, as these guys uh, learnt racism, as they learnt the definition, they, they kind of informed me. So I'd hear things and I'd classify it as banter. Like I didn't know how inappropriate the comments were. So I'd be like, yeah, oh, it's banter, it's banter. So my tolerance would grow, but I'd still feel there's something, there's something off it. There's like something I'm, I'm feeling lane. some things, but I don't know how to address it. And if I address it, do I look like, because I'm the only black one, does it look like I'm being like I'm dramatic yeah. or am I, am I the problem? I should be okay with this banter because the same way they're calling me black, whatever, um, there's the same way they're calling like a fat kid, fat. Right, so I equate it to that on that level. I didn't know it was on a societal level, yeah. even though body shaming is still the same thing. But I will say I was quite lucky. The noise was not that loud. Um, I was fine until I think the most trans- transformative thing when I really started to find like resentment towards um, being in education with white people. Still love white people, by the way. Let's just say that um, is when I I, I finished um, GCSEs, did my A levels, and then I got to go to a grammar school which in the UK is like, so it's like normal school, grammar school, then private school, right? But you get to grammar school via merit, you get to private school with, with money. So because my grades were good for uh, A-levels, I went to grammar school, worst year of my life. So imagine I've built up all this social capital in this last school, and I've moved twice now, Oxfordshire, Kent, within Kent, I move again. I go to this grammar school, 
and I know nobody there and I have to start again from scratch. And I just built my, over mm. two years, my last mm. social capital. So I go there and as, so this is now like posh kids, like the kids that are now, they go to Harvard, they're rowing for England, all that sort mm. of stuff. So I go there and that's when I felt like I was being treated differently. There was one instance where um, we were in, in science class and this teacher kept, because I'd come from a different, um, I was doing different modules in my last class. Mm. So some of the modules they'd done, I hadn't done. So I had to go and do catch up, like double the work so that I understand their module because the testing's different. So, but she she knew that. And so she kept like asking me questions that she knew I didn't know yet, right? So in my frustration, um, I was at the back of the class and I muttered, I can't remember what I said, but I know I didn't say anything explicit, right? I was just like, oh, for God's sake, something like that. Uh, and she was like, excuse me, you know, like in front of the whole class now, excuse me, what did you say? The lady hates me from the jump. Um, and then she was like, um, I just heard that you swore at me. And I'm like, first, you can't hear from on the other end of the classroom what I said, but yes, I muttered something. Uh, and she was convinced that I swore at her. So she was like, get out, we're going to the principal. I got suspended. When I realized, and when, this is when I was like, and I've said this before um, on the live, no matter, and this is what I take even into the workplace when I'm in a white environment. You can go so far, you know that your friends, your boys, when it comes down to it, you're still black. Like they'll still choose each other over you. So then what happened in that scenario is essentially the people that were sat around me lied and they were like, yeah, he swore. So, Are you kidding me? Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I heard him say it. I heard him say it. And I, and I didn't. So I get suspended. Um, and I was like, I've always been, and this was new to me. I've always been performing well. I've always been like the cheeky chappy where teachers like me, I can get away with anything. Mm. In my last school, I was like killing. I was hosting everything. I was like, there's a talent show. I'd like go and talk to people in assembly with the head teacher. I was smashing it. Then I come here and people are like, I was getting suspended. There's, being very, there's a lot unquote, of CD behavior. Yeah, and I'm like, this is not, you're putting a narrative on me that's actually not correct. Yeah. Like, I'm a nice person to be around. Um, so from that, uh, I started to just build resentment. And I was like, why is this happening? Let me investigate. Because now I'm 19. So I'm like, okay. I'm, I said that it's in the black episode, in the colorism. I'm coming, I'm starting to understand there's some things that I need to know more about. Like, why am I this color? Where am I from? Et cetera, mm. et cetera. So I dive into that, uh, become a bit of a Malcolm X, uh, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, this, which was this is in a... which was in still within the same year. Yeah, within the same year, because I get I got suspended very early. Mm. Um, and similar thing happened in my history class. Like there'll be a presentation, I'll do my bit, and then for some reason he'll be like, Eli, you didn't do this. And I'm like, I did. So a lot of like unfair treatment, which meant that my grades weren't as good. So I was like, do you know what, guys? Peace. I'm gonna go back to my old school, repeat a year. I'd rather do that than stay in this environment. So I got like my A-level, but not my A2. Yeah. Go back and that, just because that happened, smashed it even more my old school. Went back to my old school, killed it, like straight marks, went to uni, et cetera. But that's only because I had that Malcolm X moment where I went and I was like, who am I? What because you realized, because mm. you know what I'm starting to realize that subconsciously on some level, you always mm. knew you were different. I did, yeah. But I didn't know what that meant on the larger scale. Exactly. So yeah. what you always did, you protected yourself by creating yeah, like yeah. a strong social environment. Always, always. And then sticking to your definition of blackness, which meant yeah. you're setting the standard. Exactly. So while other people are not feeling the pressure to perform, yeah. you were feeling exactly. particularly the pressure to perform. Not even academically, socially. Socially. Like sport had to always, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you went to grammar school. Yeah, yeah. And then in grammar school, that pressure to perform came yeah. back but now it was yeah. validated like your yeah. theory was right yeah for sure for sure Jesus. i remember when i went there um <laughs> it's, it's these little there's so many that happen but these little jokes so i um when you first get there like oh mm. hang out with him he's gonna look after you to mm. take you around the school and there was like a click of really like rich boys right and they're like oh we're, we're, they call themselves the top cats 
yeah, I know. We're the top cuts. So Eli, uh, uh, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to show you around, you know. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> say less. We're the top cuts. We're, we're the top cuts. Yeah, top cuts. And then <laughs> if they see this, they'll laugh. Um, I wonder what they're doing now. Tell those top cuts. Yeah. They are rooming with an African <laughs> leopard. They are rooming with a leopard. <laughs> Big five, baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I remember they were like, oh, there used to be a kid called, I think his name was Emmanuel. Uh, they were like, and he was a black kid as well. And it's like, so now he's gone. You can be part of the group. I was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? So they're like, oh, because basically when I joined, mm. this other kid had like left. I think he maybe got accelerated learning, black mm. guy, went to uni before people. Then now I've joined their group as the top cats. There's like 10 of them. And they're like, oh, Emmanuel's gone. He was the other black guy. So now, oh my God. hey, buddy, he's the, the other black guy. Black guy. He's a, yeah, we need so a we need to get black guy for the top cats. Replace him, replace him. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 so yeah, Slap yeah. You it was. I swear. Slap so that, <laughs> that's when I started to be like, okay, yeah, yeah. society's a bit mad. Hey guys, I'm sorry for interrupting your very, very juicy episode of Madrock.ke, but I have to, you know, we're sponsored by Samsung, who have a freestyle, which is a smart projector that they use for our leisure and pleasure. There we go. So, Mr. Mwenda. Talk to me. Today's your day. Mm-hmm. What is your next favorite feature? of the samsung freestyle ladies and gentlemen it's uh, it's a new week and it's a new feature uh, <laughs> <laughs> so check this out check this out let's talk about having a home cinema that's the size that's like 0.8 kg right so this is what it can do it can go up to 100 inches display that's basically having a cinema or just a huge tv in your room so the quality remains the same you just get on a massive scale so for me the fact this tiny thing does that on 100 inches Absolutely mental. That's my favorite thing. He said week. mental. Absolutely crazy. There it is. Absolutely <laughs> bonkers, they say. Out of this world. Uh, in, uh. in Ken, apparently. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there you have it. Please remember, the any other content, any other information you need is available at the link in the description. Um, I'll go so far as to say you can DM us any of the questions you have and we're happy to oblige and um, answer them. Uh, Mr. Mwenda, mm-hmm. absolutely true. mental. Absolutely mental. Let's jump back into this tough episode talking about my life. Hey! <laughs> Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Now we've now we've we've kind of, we've seen young Eli and his struggles. Mm-hmm. Let's go to uni. Mm-hmm. So now that you've gone through all that, you pass with good grades. You mm-hmm. put yourself back in the right environment. Mm-hmm. Your university experience in <laughs> Kent, right? Lord of mercy. Yeah. Please walk us through that, Mister Munda. Tell us how See, that experience this is, was. I I urge everyone to get the maximum enjoyment out of your university experience because there's no other time in your life yeah. where you can have that much fun in a condensed environment with no consequences. Okay. Glorious. So okay. So I said that after I left the grammar school, I went back and I killed it. Right. Mm. Killed it meant I overcompensated. I was. When you're young, I don't think being arrogant is a bad thing. I was the most confident. I will use the word confident mm. guy. Um, like I said, because I, I was always always doing it before. Now I went even harder, mm. like with social standing, and it's 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 relative. Mm. So I'm one of my friends from the grammar school who mm. I made friends with. Actually, left the same time as me, and we both went back to my old school, and he was going there for the first time. So now I'm bringing one of my buddies, and I'm like, I'm going to show you how to dominate in a school. So we go back. We're one year older than every, older than everyone. We're like performers. We sang. We liked to rap. Everything. There's so many performances we did. Lion King, like lead role all the time, right? So my, I was in a class, I was in a bubble. I talked about this on Over 25. Mm. I was like floating with social standing, girls, football. It was glorious, like glorious. So that's A-level just before uni. So we finish. Um, and the, one, the good thing as well when we came back is as much as we were 
kind of like arrogant. We were one year older, so we were looked at as leaders, mm. even by the teachers. Mm. So they were like, there's this project, I need you to go and help these guys. So we were like, we had like teacher power, but then we were also students, so we can get away with anything, right? Mm. We could wear what we wanted. So that that level of confidence um, was kind of toxic because then we were like, we have to go to the same uni and do the same thing in university. And we're like, cool, save us. We apply to the same places, we both get in. I get in, in Canterbury, there's two universities. I get into Christchurch, he gets into University of Kent. And we're like, okay, say less. You're 10 minutes away from my dorm, 10 minutes away from your dorm. So I'll go to your parties, you'll come to my parties. Oof, and we'll dominate twice the parties. Twice the parties and we'll dominate this whole town. Good <laughs> plan. Sounds Good like, oh, so very familiar no, plan. So, yeah, it sounds, yeah. <laughs> this is a history of pizza. So, you know I mean? <laughs> so I was like, let's go. Yeah. So we go, fresh as week. Everyone loves us because we come and no one knows each other at uni. Yeah, so we yeah. go there, it's fresh as week and... We know each other, so we're like, it's okay, come to our place. We're host- hosting a party. So people all come to our place. When we go to other people's parties, we'll be like the loudest people. Everyone loved us for two weeks. Okay. Then we became just annoying. How did you become annoying? Because it was that consistent need to be the loudest and the best in uni. And it's like there's so many people from different places, it's not sustainable. Like, you're not going to be top boys here. Yeah. Like, top, yeah. like, it's not... After, after a while, that like... Confidence, people like questioning, okay, why? Why, why is it always why, And why are you in all the parties? Yeah, why, exactly. Why, why is it your decision? Why do you have the playlist? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So quickly, people decided to be like, no, they're annoying. So if we're throwing something, people won't come. We're like, but it's us. Yeah. It's us. Um, so slowly, I started to be like, okay. I have to ask a question. Mm, mm. Was he white or black? White. White. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so slowly, we started to realize, okay, this is not sustainable. Even our friendship started to like dwindle and then... I actually, oh, oh mm. don't skip over that. Don't okay. skip yeah. over that. So okay. So you're saying mm-hmm. essentially mm-hmm. that the moment it stopped being fun, mm-hmm. you two you guys taking over town, your friendship started to dwindle. Is that what you're saying? No, so what happened? Different paths. So I started to realize mm-hmm. this is not sustainable, but he didn't. Ah, I had to remove myself because I was like, I'm seeing I'm good at reading people. And I was reading, that person doesn't actually like this. And he was still yeah. Like I still love the guy if he watches this, but like he was still in floating, and I was like, eh. I come from a very solid family, exactly. like a very Christian family. So even everything I was doing, there was still something inside me that was like, mm. and what I didn't mention is that my relationship at home was suffering with my parents because I was becoming this kid at school. You can get away with being cheeky because it's not yeah. doesn't translate into anything outside of our religion, outside of our standings as a family. But when you get to nineteen, you have more power. You can do what you want. You can drive. The choices you make are adult choices and they go against everything that I've been brought up to believe. So I started leaning back into my, fa- I actually ran away from home at one point because the crossroads were that difficult. So um, I started leaning back into who I was as a person, started focusing on my studies because I was doing micro, uh, micro, micro, not microbiology, bioscience, bioscience. I was doing bioscience and then because I was partying too much, I, <laughs> I didn't perform and then I was like, let me change course. The day I was meant to change course, I didn't make it in to sign the form. I had to wait a whole other year. Oh, my God. Because I wanted to change the public health. What will you tell your mother? Exactly. Oh, what will you tell no Mze, 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 Mze <laughs> This guy. The old man. What will you tell Let him? me say, I said, <laughs> this is when there was a crossroads in my life. Um, basically, I said, okay, if I've left uni, the only thing that will substitute me being at uni is if I make a lot of money. Okay, let's go. Yeah. So uh, I started working... I was working like three jobs. So I'd work uh, at a sports store. I'd work with my friend uh, with a with a events company. And then I would also work in the family business. 
So I was just on grind mode to substitute the fact that I am waiting to go back to uni. There's been a lot of overcompensation. Oh, overcompensation. Life. And yeah. what happened in that in that time as well was I got a girlfriend. Um, to this day, one of my favorite people in the so world. So the bank came and so did the girl. Hello. Listen. No. <laughs> <laughs> but in, in a weird, so weirdly, so the girlfriend happened at the same time, there was a, a sickness in my family. Like my father got very sick. So all of those things kind of collided and yeah. it forced me to mature like that. So by the time I went back to uni, I was stable. I was like, I have a girl. I've been making money. I now need to be a, a upstanding person in my family. Let me let me stop you for that. Yeah, let's let's dial it back. Mm -hmm. This friend mm -hmm. who you were with in uni, mm. when you didn't make it into mm. um, into the public health class for that one year, mm. did he continue with his studies? No. no, he went to now college as well. He dropped out and went to college. Yeah, so he took a very different path. Very different path. Yeah, I haven't seen him for years. But yeah, at that point, because I really withdrew myself, really withdrew. And I feel like he was kind of like, oh, now it's just education, you know. And then he was like, okay, I'd actually like what I'm doing. Changed the course as well. But yeah, he he basically dropped out. Um, So that, yeah, so then. Story. Yeah, yeah. So then now now I'm like, okay, I've I, that's when the self-development happened. That's when everything that I talk about on Mantalk happened. Mm. This is like my gong experience. Um, Everything happened within that year. So like you nearly lose your dad. Um, you've you're waiting to go back to uni, and now you have to kill it when you go back. Uh, you've got a girl now. You're ready to be like, okay, yeah. Let me start saving okay. for a mortgage. So that so, was yeah, yeah. So let's so those three things. So mm. the money mm -hmm. um, because you you've started working. Mm -hmm. um, then we have the girlfriend, mm -hmm. and then we have the experience you had with your dad, which is a bit mm. sensitive. I don't mm. think we should go too much into no, that. No, no. Um, I want us to start with your relationship first. <laughs> yes, let's start with that. Hey! Yeah, shake your head. Ah, yes. We said there was parameters. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. let's, yeah, let's talk go. about your relationship. So before that relationship, you'd never dated before? Dated, okay, I had girls in school, like okay. I said, every, just rotation. But that was very childish, okay. you know, just... You did it for status. Just like, fine. I should get yeah. that girl because this. Yeah, so yeah. so let's let's go through this relationship. Let's go yeah. from. So you're working basically three mm -hmm. jobs. Mm -hmm. How exactly did you meet this person, and how exactly did that happen? <clears throat> um, I'm gonna be very general. No, go ahead. Like, we'd been in, we'd been family friends for years since the 90s. Yeah. Uh, never never saw it like that. Yeah. Then one day. It hit. I was like, oh, and then yeah. Yeah. Did that relationship contribute to uni anyway? To uni. You. Oh my god, yeah. To this day, like we're still like best friends. Like to this day, she's one of the most incredible people. Made me mature like this. Uh, made me understand what it means like to accommodate this. I always say this to to guys. Like, the hardest thing I think in a relationship is accommodating someone else's emotions. Like, there's your brain, and then you have to think about someone else, and that's new for a lot of people. Yeah. Like having that. That consciousness that this affects another person. I'm thinking about this person. I should be in communication with this person. So that taught me about that. Like a lady requires attention, care, and it's a big part of your life. But when you're young and you've been killing it, you don't realize that. So that taught me that. Um, one of the best lessons ever. Um, and just to just I just matured. Like she wasn't impressed by anything else. She wasn't impressed by the stories or you know, mm, yeah, the parties. Yeah, mm. but then she saw like who I was yeah. and not the fluff around it, which was incredible. 
Beautiful. Yeah. Now let us move on. Well thank done. You, well, thank well, you. Well, I'm, my belly button sweats. Don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, I can see you're fitting into the shot. Pocket gym. Yeah, shut up. Come on. Hello. Second thing. Now let's talk about the other pillar, which is the three jobs you did during the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you previously had no work experience. I did. I'd always like worked on weekends, uh, worked at like a bakery, okay. did like a marketing job. You know, there's little odd jobs really helped. Um, I encourage people to do it a lot, like do anything. Okay. So yeah, bakery, sales, um, factory, uh, another factory. Just lots of different jobs that you can get when you're like 16, because there's only certain ones you can mm-hmm. do. So always needed something in my pocket. Yeah. Calm. Yeah. So what did that that experience, especially juggling three jobs at the same time, mm. what differentiated them from those little old jobs, that phase of your life? Because you're making bank. Yeah. Why did you need to make more bank? And what was your experience when you're doing all those three jobs and how did that contribute to you? Because I, I, there, there was a moment where I was like, I'm not a boy. Like, I'm not a boy anymore. That was, it was just a very, I don't, I can't even describe it. I always say it happened when I was 25, but it actually happened slightly earlier. There was that relationship with not wanting to ask uh, my parents for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that relationship with being like, okay, there's a significant other. And now I'm thinking I need to be like my dad. Like I need to start building. Like that was my mind. I bought my first car. Um, and then because of the self-development, I got into that, you know, kind of, it's, I find it very cringy now That kind of Gary V thing Like You know uh, If you're not hustling You know That's where it started And I started consuming So much uh, Self-development things That I was like Okay Money is a big factor Work ethic is a big factor Stability is a big factor Of like a successful man So I was building myself To be that At the very young age Yeah That's where it yeah. started And I cut so, out everything else So Mm, okay, mm. so that that's Gary V stuff that you're saying, that hustle mentality. That's where it kicked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where it kicked off from mm. working those three jobs. Mm. Uh, do you think there was a point it was toxic? Um, like actually, that that hustle mentality. So the the only thing that happened is after a certain point, um, we start. Okay, so because I'd left uni, now I went to my my friendship group, which was now one of my best friends still to this day, um, who was also making a lot, he was making a lot of money at that point. And then, uh, cause I was working for him at the same time, we would have the same schedule. Mm-hmm. And then our relationship with money started to be a bit like, uh, um, frivolous. Yeah, I wanna say frivolous, but also like, we were, there was a weird dichotomy. Like we were very intentional, but at the same time we were like, no, at the same time, let's enjoy ourselves. Like, it's a Thursday. Let's go to Paris on the Saturday. Like it was that kind of let's do let's do things. And this and was yeah. this. Uh, so this was self-funded. No yeah, parents yeah, money. Yeah, 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 never. Yeah. So, and these guys were not black. No, 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 no. I've I I don't really have black friends back. So in the these UK. are I only white, have like mixed yeah. race friends. In the UK. Yeah, yeah. So these are. Um, They're white white guys. Yeah. White guys. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It was a, listen. I don't regret that. It was a very fun time. Yeah. It was that kind of coming of age thing. The world is now open to you because I don't have to be in a formal education. So I'm like, I can make money. I can make a schedule. I can do things. Then I'm also working for the family. And, you know, you know, there's yeah. a, uh, it's just an observation. There's one of the misgivings of being um, mm. African and black is that because of just how strict our family structure is, mm. our family often imposes mm. um, during certain f- our formative years, they need to go to school, mm. be good at school, yeah. but then through school, yeah. you know, that's when you're going to be successful mm. and make money. But I think for you, what you kind of saw was mm. the independence of mind that yeah. 
certain people from white privileged backgrounds mm. have yeah. where they're like your school is important no yeah, doubt but yeah. life is just as important, important. and i must yeah. understand that as for well. sure for sure also i was um so the the narrative of the african family was not lost on us like but the only skill i had even with my parents and they'll watch this and laugh is i'm very good at negotiating so even with them i'll be like listen i've stopped my course don't panic this is the plan like i was i could sounds really bad but i could like kind of control um i can kind of control the how much they enforced on me because i always had a rebuttal i was and i always looked relatively stable in what i was doing so there was a trust that started to happen that's yeah. why i was like let me help with the family business and they're seeing this let me help with this um so just that kind of being able to negotiate and like manage the people around you really helped because so, that was yeah. still a thing education it was so huge, huge. stands out that social that social mm. skill when yeah. you were younger really came in handy at that stage yeah, yeah, yeah okay let's take it to the next level come on get to uh-huh. uh, so you get into uni mm-hmm. um i'm sure you finished that yeah, yeah finished public health without without yeah. any incidents yeah so let's ask ourselves what did you do between uni and and work and coming to kenya because now it's mm, mm. Yeah, the answer, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 um so those are probably the most I said that that's what I became like an adult back then but yeah. when I mentioned the 25 thing this is when I was like okay I knew nothing There because then I was context um finished uni and I was still working while I was at uni by the way so I dropped like two of the jobs but I was still working with my friend to keep yeah. some money in my pocket so I finished that um and I'm still doing the family business I just stopped my retail job so then after I finished uni in second year um I realized I'm doing public health There's no way I'm stopping because I dropped the last one so I have to finish uh literally for my mom and my dad I was like I always say to them I gave them the degree and I was like done okay can I can I now crack on mm-hmm. um so finished pub, but in second year I realized I like business because uh, even before I've, I've told the story I used to sell sweets from my backpack I used to do paper rounds I always needed like money um so you now you sell sweets in your backpack you conveniently skipped that part oh that was when I was a kid like when I was the nine year old Yeah, even with social standing. So mm. you were nine years of age. I'd say maybe maybe ten, maybe maybe ten going eleven because it's primary school. So we used to. I used to, <laughs> I went to my dad and I was like, Dad, um, I've seen one kid selling sweets, but he doesn't do it at scale. Like he sell. I didn't use his words, but he sells like one or two things. He buys every ten p sells for twenty. I was like, Is there a place I can get a lot for cheaper so I can sell more? And he was like, Very good, son. Write me a proposal. So I'm like, this is the proposal. At ten. Yeah, I'm like, this is the proposal. You know, listen, like, <laughs> me, me, your dad. I must meet him. <laughs> He's a great man. What a great man. Hey, What? Dad. Yeah. So I was like, okay, dad. So show me. So he, he literally took me one weekend. He was like, this is called wholesale. I'm like, wow. So now you know when you go to a shop and you see like the small box and the fact that he suit. took the time. Yeah, and he already he basically because he so how it works because he was a consultant. He's um he's looked at as a business like himself. So he could register for a card. be able to buy it wholesale because he's a business so he was like okay i'm gonna register um using my business my company myself and you're gonna i'm gonna invest in your first bit of stock uh we're gonna go buy a small amount go sell it come back next week and every saturday we used to go and buy more and the stock kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger so i think i calc- i think it was like 300 profit at one point it was mad because i was buying wholesale and then the guy couldn't compete with me that was buying from the shop and selling more because if you're coming to me and i've bought like a whole box compared to you that's bought like a handful you have to sell above retail price but i can sell to you at the same price as the shop in school so i'm giving you convenience right so basically it went really well started going to wholesale every week how old were you again the way you're talking about this business like charlie the chocolate factory (laughs) i didn't understand why it worked 
but I just knew the numbers. I knew that and every week I'd have like a spreadsheet, like written, not even on computer, just like this week, I've made this, I've sold, I bought like 50, I've sold this in this week. Uh, my dad was like, impressive, yeah, paid him back. And now I was just making profit, McDonald's on me. Um, it was great. So carried on doing that until it got to a point we're making too much money, so the school shut it down. They're like, these guys. Because now when I did it, people started copying. And I'd give information free. Yeah, I buy it. Yeah, yeah, I buy it. Then other kids came. Then there used to be fights, people getting robbed for their stock. It was like a whole Meanwhile, mafia. Eli, Eli is the king. <laughs> Don Corleone. <laughs> no, it was it was. Have you watched uh, The Boondocks, an episode called The Fundraiser? No. I will no. send it to you promptly. No, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because it was, it, was, it was a cartel business on so selling chocolate. It was like bars. cartel. It was like, I remember it was either refreshers, double-decker bars, or Lion chocolate bars or Snickers. And it was, yeah, it was a whole cartel. It was Sheesh. great. Yeah, so lunchtime, you'd be like, come on, That's <laughs> mad. Yeah. That's yeah. mad. No. So that, so I remember, so, um, so because of that, I realized in uni, I was like, what did I used to love doing? I used to love going and writing down how much money I made. I used to love um, business and I loved fashion. So first crash and burn business after the suites was, I was like, I'm going to start a fashion line. My dad was like, say less, do the same thing again. Write me a proposal. What do you need? This, 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 and this. So I was like, cool. Um, I found some people in China that I can import some clothes from. These are the designs and I've got a business partner. So we used to come to my house. We used to work to like 2 a.m. And again, I had that whole... I'm at uni, but we had this whole thing. So um, we'd be like, okay, we've got the designs, this, 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 and this. Now, this is the danger of being funded by family. There's a slight lack of respect for money when it comes from someone you love, because you don't realize the payback thing, right? So invested, and I think I've told this story where we started buying packaging before stock. So st stupid decisions like that. And my dad let me make those mistakes because he'll be like, are you sure you want to do this? I was like, yeah, cool. And he was like, okay, do it. Then we crash and burn. He'd be like, I told you. So... I made that mistake and I still had to pay him back the money. So through, <laughs> yeah. So through, through, uh, through learning like that, I was like, I actually like this process. Then, because I think he sort of saw that in me, after I finished uni, I said, I'm not going. Because I basically, I looked at the salary cap of someone in public health. I looked at how many years it would take to make the amount of money I wanted to make. And now I'm like mid twenties. I was like, I don't want that for myself. I don't want to be in an office doing this. And I expressed this so much to my parents. I'm like, it's okay, but you have to finish. So I was like, okay, say less. Gave them the degree and I was like, can I fully take over one of the businesses? They're like, sure. I uh, did that and then... Um, Which business was this? Property. Property. So I was managing the property. Uh, so many stories there, but it was, yeah, it was interesting. Interesting. So I'm uh, like a The younger, common theme is your dad is actually like overseeing from afar. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Because he didn't have the time sometimes. And now he was like, he's a bit of an adult now. He can... Yeah, yeah, but always I had to, I had to always plead the case. Like, I'm gonna do this because of this because of this. Okay. Um. So yeah, he really allowed me to fail a lot. That's why. Yeah. Number one mentor. Um. So, after doing that, um, without going into like details of his business, um, there was a project that required him to go into Central Europe because of Brexit when Brexit happened. Mm. Then basically, um, when he was he explained that, so I talk to you about this all the time in our family. One of the things we like to do is if anyone has a project and has an idea, we all talk about it. Like. Everyone knows what's invested where, how much money we have, what are we doing? It's a group decision, like everything. So my dad was like- oh. Please say that again for the audience. Yes. <laughs> the family. Yeah, the family. Like, it's a, yeah. This family as a unit. And I feel like, uh, and, I, and I told you this before, mm. there's a lot in Kenya, there's a lot of, I think the word is opacity. Like mm. there's a lot of opaque behavior yeah. around finances yeah. in mm. our family, mm. in our country, mm. because um, African um, communities don't have that openness. Very true. Very true. Um, yeah. Regarding yeah. like the state of the family, mm. like finances. And I agree that sometimes this might sound like something from coming from a point of privilege, mm. but it's also coming from a point of learning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. 
So like that difference is really really stark because mm. I honestly think a lot of guys don't even know what their families. I think yeah, um, I think it's I think it's so key. I think it's so key um cuz I feel like they always say you can learn something from anyone, right? So the beauty of bringing everything to your family is you might have a 13-year-old that says, "What about this?" and they don't know. It's from a place of ignorance. You're like, "I haven't considered that." Mm. You might have someone like my brother who's doing like um derivative stock all that stuff you're like have you thought about this okay let's put money here mm. i'll come and be like i've read this somewhere so mm. now when you have like five minds instead of one or even two if it's like a couple you have so many other people that can put input so that's one of the things i think uh it it took time it was like a gradual process of being like let us in mm. let us understand so it's one of the things i'm definitely going to do as a as like a parent is be completely transparent as how much we have and also it manages expectations uh, you can either think you have too much or i think you have less But if everyone knows what's happening then they then know exactly how to exactly. behave yeah yeah so um with one of those meetings there was a contract happening in central europe a new job and he was like i'm going to do this then i was then i was like dad um if you're doing this contract is there a way that they, i can set up a company and like we can like work together yeah and he was like let me figure that out so he came back and was like yes this is what you'd do etc etc so you don't, details aren't important but basically um for like a year and a half I was working in Central Europe in like in like Prague, Czech Republic, just around there and helped him with like setting up a very big project that needed a lot of help. So through shadowing him every so Monday would fly out, come back on Friday. Monday, Friday would we'll spend the work week together. Through shadowing him, seeing his integrity, relationship with money, mm-hmm. um work ethic which was insane, I you can't help but have that rub off on you. Um and so you're seeing the benefit of it, but you're actually seeing what it takes to do what you're doing. So the guy's like on he's not a young guy, but he's up at 4 a.m. So I'm like why why am I not up? up why are you asleep? Why are you asleep? Stepping on yeah, mattresses. Yeah. Exactly. I swear, yeah. So he, yeah, so he'll be like so without telling me he's teaching you. He'll teach me. He so miyagi'd you. I so I'll make sure I'm up like 20 minutes before him. Yeah. Or and at some points if we have like a a lane I'll be like I'm going to go to the gym at 5 a.m. That's where my relationship with the gym became really good cuz I'll be like if I'm going to if we start the day at 6 I can get out by like 4:45 and come back by thing and be like I'm ready dad. So it was that kind of I wanted to prove not just to him but to myself that I can match the level of hustle etc. Oh, yeah. Another thing was just the relationship with money, relationship with people. Um we talked about this before having a fearlessness to walk into rooms. Um that year taught me all of that. Like be able to walk into any room, be able to talk to anyone, like no one really knows what they're doing. But if you look like you know what you're doing, they'll assume that and they'll give you whatever you need. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Your dad like sounds like quite a guy. Absolute G. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's move you from Czech mm-hmm. to the city of Nairobi. Yes, yes, yeah. So um when you were done with your experience with the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. um did you bring any of those skills back home and how was it transitioning from mm-hmm. the UK mm-hmm. um Eastern Europe, no Central Europe? and Kenya. Mm. What how did that transition happen? Uh so uh the project in Czech starts to finish. Yeah. To sort of like and by the way as I'm telling this story I realize the consistent factor of privilege. Um so I don't want to ever skip over that. I know like even having that kind of mentor some people don't have, but I'm just telling like my truth, right? Um so the project finished and we're like okay, congratulations, good stuff. Um let's do like a family trip. So We do a family trip and end up in Nairobi as like the last destination. So then we do coast, we come back to Nairobi and then I've always heard about Kenya. I used to come when I was younger, but I used to not like it because it was so different. I was like, why is it loud? Like because I from like a village to like a city, first of all. 
And then the city is different, the climate's different. It's just, I found it very hectic. So I never, I used to always love going to coast when I came, but this time I'd done all that self-work. Where am I from? Remember the, in school. So now when I was coming, I had a very different perspective because there was the appreciation for blackness and the appreciation for like um, business. Mm. So the two of them collided and I just finished a project in Czech and I was like, Okay, that worked. What can I do here? I can do projects exactly, here. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and also there was yeah. the evil Canterbury mind of very, taking over city. Yeah, yeah. There's the, wherever I go, I need to, <laughs> I need to take over. Take over. You see, you see, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, that's actually so There's a consistent thing, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so I come here and with the help of um, family, they, they advise me what works here, what works here, set up some shops, uh, which is the business I do that I don't talk about on socials. Um, and then, so now I've arrived in Nairobi, mm-hmm. uh, the holiday finishes. So I have my ticket back. I'm like, let me extend a bit. Let me find out. Let me do some more research. Let me see if I can, you know, mm. put, put things here, here as a family. Um, and it starts to go well. But now my work week is like... Okay, just a sec. Yeah. You've skipped over something crucial. Mm. So you get to the decision where you want to extend your stay and you realize that there's a lot of value you can have here. Mm. Who's mm. the first person you're having that conversation with? My mother, because she stayed with me. Yeah. So we both kind of... So, okay, so by the way, the trip, everyone kept started going back. So we come, my sister goes back, my brother goes back, uh, my little cousin goes back, my uncle goes back. And we're like, okay, okay, dad goes back. And it's just me and my mum. And then we're like, no, I think over through you know how everyone loves talking about business here yeah so we talked to so many people and then we're like we can stay for a bit because i've i finished my project like i'm still managing the property but it's mobile i can just call so i was like let's figure out what we can do here there's a bit of cash uh, for my large project so in the end we start investing in things and um then eventually my mum goes back mm. and then now it's just me sort of left to run run whatever we set up right um but as that journey is happening I don't interact. I knew nobody in the city. I like zero. I knew some family members. Bear in mind, I've n- seen them three times in my life. This is just a completely new environment, but I've already done it in Czech. Mm. So um, I'm like, okay. I, I was always using social media. And this is how man talk happens, etc. I was always, always using social media um, just back home with fashion, etc. Mm. With the business I tried to start, the fashion line, which never took off. Um, so I was like, okay. I don't know why people are starting to follow me. But I think it's because I was like geotagging. So people would follow me, be like, oh, there's a curious guy. Who's this guy? People start following me and I'm like, okay. Then I start to meet people in the influencer space and in the content space. And I was like, I've always had like a creative thing back in school, performing, mm. fashion, etc. Mm. I was like, what if I start to lean into this thing a little mm. bit? So I do. Um, and then I start to be invited to events, start to meet people, the same sort of crowds that I'm still friends with, with to this day. Um, and I'm like, this is a lot of fun. I have a social life mm-hmm. and I have business running. So when I'm talking to my friends back home, they're like, Eli, what are you, where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm still in Nairobi. You don't know anyone. I, I do now because I've been online. Mm. So Instagram is what made me stay, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. If it was just the business, I would have done a year, like chatting and bounced. But met people, met people, met people like you, start ventures like uh, the Insta market, start this. Uh, this is now, I'm literally fast forward in like three years, but I'll slow it down. Um, one of the things that was like, wait a minute, I can start something as just me, not like family, was the Insta market. So uh, I think I told the story before. Basically, I wanted to sell clothes. A venue would not allow me to have a stand. So I was like, okay, I have history and events with my boy. I now have to start an event. Uh, let me make one with influencers that I've just met very recently. Because I was still in that hustle, hustle mentality. Everyone I meet, we can do something. We can do something. So I start marketing online, set up a page with my sister. 
And then we get blown away with the response and everyone's like, can you do it again? Mm. And other businesses wanted to jump in. So it became from just being influencers to being now like other businesses coming. So we get like, what, like 50 businesses? I'm like, how? How do you even find us? Because we're just good at marketing. Then I'm like, okay, that's really cool. Like I could, I've set this up and now it's a monthly thing. It's going really well. Um, so now I have that social thing that I can work on as well as the business and mm-hmm. social life. Then um, I'd always wanted to start a podcast. I think I've told you this before. Before we met, like six months before that, mm. I'd actually recorded a trailer to a podcast I was going to make because it was on my my um, my vision board. I was like, I need to make a program with social issues because all the stuff I'd read, I wanted to talk about through conversations with people. I wanted to talk. Then um, I filmed everything and I went back to the UK for like a few months. I came back and I looked at the footage. I was like, I don't like it. Then I spoke to one of our old co-hosts and then we met each other. And then Mantle happened. I'm like, oh, perfect. I'm not having to do an Eli podcast. I have someone capable to do it with um so now the podcast happens i'm like hmm, this is hmm. incredible i'm really enjoying this and so now we're at the stage where basically i have the stuff running on socials i have a very healthy social life i have a very good clique of friends you know from the gym boys and also the businesses are running so even when i would go back to the uk my boys are like you're still there i'm like yep i'm still there unfortunately yeah <laughs> i don't see myself ever ever leaving yeah so that's uh, this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned. Yeah, as you down. as you can tell, uh, we I just uh, let the boy walk down the plank. Yeah, he's guys. walked it fully. <laughs> he's walked it fully. Yeah. Uh, wait, one last uh, question, uh, Mr. Monday. You know, you enjoy asking this question mm-hmm. all the time at the end of the podcast. You always ask always. it. Always. Yeah. So, uh, what's uh, one piece of content that you'd recommend? A book, a movie, something that really, really impacted your life and that you'd want to share with others. Can I give a slightly different answer to what I normally do? So I feel like it's hard to identify one, Mm -hmm. but I can give a formula that I use for self-development. Let's go. When I decided to take it seriously, um, I basically said, and this is what anyone can do on their socials or anything. I made sure that whatever I consume, so it's a general thing, right? That's why it's a, a structure. Whatever I consume adds some sort of value to me. So, uh, and this is, comes in, fa- in like phases. Sometimes it'll be completely dialed in. Sometimes I'll still have things that I just enjoy for the sake of it. But at a certain time when I was making the most progress in my life, from morning to evening, anything that I listened to, anything I looked at, gave me some sort of value. This is not, especially when I was in check. When I open my phone at 5 a.m., the first thing I do is I put on a podcast as I go to the gym, right? I didn't even like listen to music. It was really kind of weird. But this is if you want to like just dial in, if you're trying to just... Um, get that next level. Yeah. Mm. So from morning, it sounds really cringy. My alarm clock was like motivational talks. Like, I'm like, get up if you win. <laughs> like, from the morning, from 5 a.m. It's like, if you want your body to change, you got to change your mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> my God. So that's how I used to wake up. I go to the gym, and then now there's a podcast with no music. You sound, you, sound, you sound like Rotimi's best friend. What's up? I was there. <laughs> like, I was in that exact same bag. Like, yeah. um, but it's not sustainable. I will say that. It's after a while, it's you need to enjoy like enjoy life. Really you have to enjoy, enjoy life. Eat life slowly with a teaspoon. With a teaspoon. With a teaspoon. With a say teaspoon. This every Thursday on live. Don't rush. So I formed is that like find find um something that yeah. you resonate with. So big person in my life that's a virtual mentor is like Kevin Hart. I would check what he's doing every day. Like he's in the gym. I need to be in the gym. He's working on a project. He says he's doing five things at once. I can do five things at once. Um, Jordan Peterson, talking about the mind, Diary of a CEO, talking about business. Like, I, and everything, even when I'm watching YouTube, 
I'd be following uh, like a Gary Vaynerchuk, small doses now, but like Gary V. So all these people somehow were contributing. And what used to happen is now every interaction I had, because I'm so consumed by everything, I would now regurgitate that information to my father when we're like traveling. And he'd be like, oh, interesting, oh, interesting. And now, because I felt like I wanted to tell people positive things, that's kind of how the podcast started. I'd be like, let me go and listen to more things. Let me go read more things. So I would say, find like maybe five people that you identify with that you've always looked up to just invest in their story invest in like i even cut like i said cut off music just listen to any podcast like mine talk that you feel that they're speaking to you mm. and make that your whole like life until you're like i'm i'm think i've elevated fantastic yeah yeah that's um, what I'd say. that's a formula i will conclude by mm-hmm. saying this uh mm-hmm. mr Mwanda. go on man uh I obviously I am familiar with these stories. Yes. Yeah. But one of the most remarkable things that I have learned about you today is what the impact of a proper upbringing mm, mm. can have on a young mind's mm. mind. Like mm. you you have grown you are literally a product of not just your own drive obviously mm, and mm, and mm. and initiative but you're also a product of your parents and your families. Yeah, oh for sure. You know, investment mm, in who you mm, are as a mm. person and you've kind of also invested in others and mm. that you've paid it forward, mm. you know, like with what you do with the Insta market. Mm, mm. Um I have observed that you obsess about, you know, how other people are benefiting from the relationships with you. Mm. And even with me and Mantok and how we run this thing. I've noticed that your obsession isn't necessarily based on your own benefit, but it's on how much value you give others. Mm, mm. And it seems that it is a thread of your entire life. Yeah. That socially yeah. you understood very quickly that it's not about what you give yourself, but it's what you give others. For sure. And in yeah. Canterbury, when you tried to give yourself things, mm. Come on, uh, crashed and burned. It crashed and burned. Yeah. And now mm. you have continued to add value to others. And it's a very it's a huge pleasure to work with mm. and learn from you. Thank you, buddy. Um that's a very that's literally very kind it was a very conscious decision to be like giving some sort of value um as soon as i got here i realized yeah i want to do something like that and the thing you said about my parents because i know they watch the podcast everything like you said it's a percentage of my hard work it's not like everything has been from them giving i always say privilege is the opportunity to fail yeah them why am i <clears throat> them giving me the chance to try whatever i want them giving me the chance to lose money and have to pay it back um and watching how they have upheld a standard of a black family in a white environment upstanding citizens in terms of just being a man um in terms of being just a, a woman like i've seen the perfect example of that so i don't think it's anything to do with my own drive i think it's just the environment like you said so yeah, they're literally the. I'm gonna stop talking because <clears throat> you're going to cry. Yeah, they're, they're the. That reason. is how you know the interview is effective. They're the reason. Yeah, they're the reason. That yeah. <clears throat> that, yep. Done. <laughs> there is reason. The reason. Uh, yes. They're the reason. So, uh, I hope you enjoyed making this podcast. Half <laughs> <laughs> as much, baby. <laughs> we enjoyed making it. Because we had a ball. We had a ball. Shout out, mom and dad. Yay! <laughs> shout out, shout out to Mama Ila and hey. Baba Ila. As you can see, I can make your son cry uh, anytime uh, I want. Yeah, <laughs> <it's so laughs> <good. laughs> it's another banging episode. <laughs>